His word is truth, but compassion takes action today on the Weekly Kingdom Outlook. Let's get going. Hey, greetings, folks. Pastor Lewis here with you. I am so glad you're with me today. Uh, just, uh, just a wonderful day yesterday, and and uh, with this weekend. Even though Kathy, my lovely bride, was not feeling good all weekend, so you know she just like shut down all weekend and relaxed, which is so good that she actually gets to do that once in a while. Um, sometimes I think that um, women don't take enough of that action just to rest, you know. Um, so let's let's talk let's talk about this a little bit. And um, what do I mean by his word is truth, but action, uh, compassion takes action. Um, there is, seems to be this um, problem uh, that I hear a lot from unbelievers and, and you know, sometimes quasi-believers, if I should use that term, um, that, you know, that's harsh. The truth is harsh and that's mean. And, and you know, when you're, when you're, God's word is law. And Jesus said in John 17 that my word is, I've given them, thy, they're sanctified by thy truth. Thy word is truth. Okay, so Jesus gave us his word. It is truth. Truth is, it says, it says in Hebrews that the word of God is a double-edged sword. It cuts and it separates what is the spirit and the soul, because the soul has its own desires. The spirit, uh, your spirit being alive to God, has its desires. It wants God, and the scriptures tells us, hey, what was soulish and what was actually of the spirit, and it can separate those two things. Where maybe I can get confused in them, you might think, and maybe um, you know you get you get this concept of um, well. A good loving God would never send anyone to hell, and and um, and I and I and I try to come at that one so many different ways to show that number one, God does love us, and but I want to I let, let me give you this example for you. Maybe this will help you. You're a you're the richest person on the planet, let's say, okay, and you have built this amazing city huge and it, everything inside of that city is absolutely perfect i mean there's no crime there's no death there's no tears uh, there's no lack there's no sorrow there's no injury no sickness no disease and the the what you have done though is you have put your only son in charge of everything and the only requirement of entry is to obey the son. But, you know, you don't like it. You know, your son doesn't look like someone who should be in charge. And your son, you know, he came, you know, he he was born while you were on the road. He wasn't born in our the city we would have chosen. He was born in a little village and no one no one great comes out of there and 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 now it comes time for entering that city. And you have dissed the son. You have disrespected the son. You have dis denied that you even know him. You have disregarded what what the rules are for number one of the kingdom. 
by the way, these rules are in the kingdom. Okay. And, and, and you deny them. Would you expect the father to allow you into his beautiful city, someone who completely dishonored, disrespected, disowned, disinvowed, sometimes even call them a liar, a false prophet, uh, evil, um, whatever, all the names they do call your son, his son. And do you expect a father to let that person in to his city? And I would say no. I mean, we're, we're evil. Like, don't think you're good. The Bible says, you being evil know how to give good gifts. How many people would allow, and I want you to hear me on this, how many people would allow someone in your house that, that not only murdered your son, disrespected all that, but has no remorse for it, you know? How many people would you actually go, oh, sure, come on in? Hey, it was just my son. Now, that's truth. That's the truth. And truth is very harsh. And the Bible declares this, that, you know, and by the way, the father does send people to hell. Uh, why? Because he's cleaning his kingdom. It says in Matthew 13, the tares are taken, gathered up, thrown into the fire. And listen, so, because he's taken out of everything out of his kingdom that offends which is sins. Okay, that's what the word is. You know, offense in the Old Testament meant sin. You To offend God was to go against his ways. God's not, God's not without compassion, though. Okay? He's not without compassion because his compassion was demonstrated in the fact he sent that son to die for us. Look, the, the, the truth of the matter is, is it, it, if God just left it, if God just said this, you're all sinners, which he did, and we are forever going to be separated. That would be truth. But he demonstrates his compassion by sending forth his son when we were yet sinners to die for us. And so that's really important to understand that what we sometimes think is really harsh and really mean is, is really not because we're not putting the two together. Now, here's what you have to understand. God's word is truth. And it's not truth. because He didn't make truth because he didn't like what he saw. Truth existed. Listen, the word, which was Jesus, existed before man. The truth always was. It, it's, it's older than man. It's eternal. The word of God is eternal. And so what you have to understand is that God is not changing our ways and he didn't design us contrary to his ways. Okay, God's plan was perfect. Okay, but when we ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we, our eyes were not just opened so that we, you know, the saints said our eyes would be opened. That's what Satan said, but that's not what God said. He said, if you eat of the knowledge of good and evil, you will die. Why? Because in the knowledge of good and evil, man always tries to replace evil with his good. So when you ask people, why should you go to heaven? They go, well, I'm a good person. Well, have you ever said, yeah, but I've done so many good things 
that why would God count the bad things against me? That's the knowledge of good and evil. You start weighing them when God's not. See, we think your good things you do can outweigh disobedience to him. And it doesn't outweigh it. And this is stuff that I had to learn. Like I had to read the word and I was learning this. What does it mean to be atonement? And what does that mean? And he atoned for my sins. He's the only one who can. But his truth is sometimes harsh. Like the Bible declares that, you know, sexual morality is sex before marriage, sex adultery, sex outside of marriage, and homosexuality. Okay, those are, that, that's homosexuality. So those, three, those are sexual immorality. Now, you might think, Lou, that's so harsh because some people feel, well, what do you do with the guy who feels that he has to murder people? What do you do with the guy who feels that he has to molest children? What do you do with the guy who feels that he has to steal from you? What do you do with the guy who feels he has to rape somebody? He believes that who he is. Do you now get to declare your feelings of I'm gay or, um, you know, I, I, I just feel this way? Do your feelings count more than everybody else's? Or are we just going to let everyone do what they feel? An old Nike commercial, I think it was. Uh, if it feels good, do it or something like that. That's not biblical. You know, that's really dangerous. Sounds really good. Like, if it feels good, do it. No. That's death. That's that's like a, that's a prescription for actual death. And by the way, it's not just spiritual death. Adam was never meant to die. Neither was Eve. They were going to live forever, populate the earth. Okay? So my, my point being is that the harshness of that, the harshness of that truth is very harsh. It's a double-edged sword. It cuts. Compassion finds the solution. And where God's truth seems harsh, his love provided a solution, compassion. And that solution was, I'll send forth my son. He'll pay for their sins on the cross. And all those who believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Let's read it. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so greatly and dearly prized the world that he even gave up his only begotten, unique son, so that whoever believes in, trusts in, clings to, relies on him, shall not perish, come to destruction, be lost, but have eternal, everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world in order to judge, to reject, to condemn to pass sentence on the world, but that he would that the world might find salvation and be made safe and sound through him. He who believes in him clings to him, trusts in, relies on, is not judged. He who trusted him never comes up for judgment. For him there is no rejection, no condemnation. He incurs. Uh, no damnation, but he who does not believe, cleave to, rely on, trust in, is judged already. Has He has already been convicted and has already received his sentence because he has not believed in, trusted in, the name of the only begotten Son of God. He is condemned for refusing to let his trust rest in Christ's name or Christ's nature in what he did. All right. Do you understand that? That's pretty severe. 
Here was God's dilemma. I'm, I'm, I'm truth. I'm righteousness. I'm justice. But I'm also salvation. I'm also love. I'm also compassion. How do I reconcile these two? I need a bridge. I need something to bridge my heart's compassion for the people and my, my character that requires truth. I, I need a bridge. That bridge was Jesus. He was the bridge that linked them together so God could both have truth but also reveal compassion, the answer for our crimes. But if you don't receive the justification that comes through faith in Jesus, then there is no link for you and truth will have its heavier weight on you. You understand? If you don't believe Jesus and believe in Jesus, by the way, both of those are necessary. In other words, if I read God's word and, I, and, and Jesus said um, marriage is between a husband and a wife, a man and a woman. He doesn't say man and man. He says God made them both man and female and he's the one who created marriage. All right. Now, if I don't believe that, if I say, well, that doesn't really matter. That's old. That doesn't matter. If I reject the truth, I also reject my salvation. Why? Because how do I cling to someone that I believe is a liar? Or I cling to someone which is another Jesus which was not preached. In other words, you're believing in a falsehood. You have to believe in Jesus. Jesus told the Pharisees this. If you don't believe Moses' writings, you will not believe my words. That's a stunning statement because Jesus was not in, in, in contradiction to the law. Now, here's what you have to understand. The Jews created 613 laws from 252. It's called the oral transition or the oral Torah. It's not the Torah. And they, a hundred of those were created against women. That's why the woman with the, with, caught in adultery, the, only the woman is brought. Because during Judaism, the man didn't commit adultery. The woman did. Otherwise, you've got to think a whole crowd is sitting there and they don't know the man is supposed to be there. But in their time, in the oral tradition, it, they had made a law. Women were not educated. You see this in the chosen, right? The women aren't educated. You get this today in churches where women can't be preachers. They have all this stuff. By the way, I don't have time to get into the validity of women in authority because I just tell people, Deborah, <laughs> you know, God raised up Deborah to judge Israel. So God doesn't have an Old Testament belief that women can't be in authority. Matter of fact, um, the Bible says that he created them in his image, male and female, he created them. Men and women are created in the image of God. And in the kingdom, in the kingdom, we don't judge people by Jew or Gentile, uh, uh, Jew or Greek, free or slave, rich or poor. We don't judge that way. Male or female, we don't judge that way. That's not how, that's not the kingdom. Okay? And so, but I want you to understand something, that the only way that I can live in truth and, and, and 
still love humanity is that link in Christ as compassion. Otherwise, you could be a truth guy. I believe in truth. And then you see someone that was in pain for their own stupidity, and you go, well, you were judged. But that's not what Jesus did. You notice that? Like, Jesus would tell you, um, he would tell them, go and sin no more. But you notice that he always healed them. Like he was both compassionate and truthful. The ones he was not compassionate with were the Pharisees, who thought that they were righteous on their own account. None of us are righteous by what we do. But we become unclean by what we do. If we sin and we confess our sins to the Father, He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Okay? First uh, John 1 John 1.9 He forgives us and cleanses us. We can become unclean in the spirit realm through sin. If you don't believe that, then you don't know the scriptures. What's my point of this today? January was it the 30th. Woof! Man, that went by quick. Um, what's the point here? Is that what links the two? Sometimes what people want to have is compassion without truth. So they sit there and someone says, well, what about the homosexuals? Does God love them? Yes, but why don't they get to go to heaven? Because they reject the truth. You go, well, no, they don't reject it. They just, they're stuck. Or, no, no. Let me tell you, a lot of them believe that Jesus, that the scriptures are wrong. They believe in God. You notice they believe in God. They don't believe in Jesus. Some do. Some say they believe in Jesus, but it's okay to be homosexual. No, it's not. I know this is tough. I know this is a tough topic. It's like the third wheel that people want to stay away from. I know it. But you can love people even when they're sinners. That's easy. You go, how? Because you realize you were one. <laughs> you realize who you were before Christ. And it's easier for me. In that way. Look, I, I've, I've worked in the government, in the Navy. And, you know, I worked with sinners. You know? And I had this one supervisor. I won't tell her name on here. I love her to death. Love her. She was such a great supervisor. She happened to be a lesbian. And I would tell her all the time, hey, I'm praying for you. When she went through, some, when she was going through stuff, I'd let her know. And I would. I mean, I, I would pray for her. I would say, Father, I just pray that she comes to know your son. I pray that she would just come, that you would have mercy on her and come to know her son. And anything she's going right through, you know, because we didn't always get into details, you know, whatever. You know, she called, she texted me in 2015. I had been gone from work since 2006. She had already retired too. I had left before retirement, but... Uh, I hadn't seen her since 2006, maybe, somewhere around there. And she messaged me, and she said, I want you to know I, I gave my life to Jesus. I love that. Now, you can't keep practicing. Look, at, let, let's put it this way. Let's say that um, I say I gave my life to Jesus, but I'm still having an affair. How many people would let me have an adulterous affair and say I'm a believer? Now, you might struggle with the thought. You might struggle with the temptation. But you have to say no to it. And then you have to lean on Christ. 
And by the way, I believe if you actually pray, Christ will change you from the inside out and transform you. We got to stop making um, uh, the born again experience. People think people treat the born again experience like, okay, now your sins are forgiven. But that's not the born again experience. The born again experience is you're supposed to be a new creation in Christ. You're not a sinner anymore. You're a saint. And you're living by a new nature that's found in him that Peter talked about. You could be partakers of the divine nature. If you partake of the divine nature, your nature is transformed in his nature. And you sit there and take on a new nature. Otherwise, we just look, if we sit there, I'm not a guy who's going to sit in the picket line. I'm not a guy who's going to sit there and yell to people having abortions, baby killers. Um, I don't approve of it. Don't get me wrong. It's just not my nature to do that. It's not my, and by the way, God, who wants to do this and walk around with a sign? I, don't, I have no desire to ever do that. But I, 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 I have to learn how to bring my compassion. Listen, I have to learn how to bring my compassion through truth. Was that in scripture? It says, yes, we speak the truth in love. That's what it's talking about. We are speaking the truth with compassion. Yes, I know you're tied for this. Here's God's way. Here's God's word. We're not living to that. Okay. How do we get there? We get there by surrendering to his word. Look, too many people, I'm going to tell you that you have to surrender to Christ then you have to surrender to his word, and then you learn how to surrender to his ways. Okay? You have to surrender. You have to learn how to surrender. When you do, when you surrender to him, and then you go, and I look at when I got saved, or when I prayed the prayer, December 4th, 1989, Pastor Russ. And I, I love him, even though he didn't believe in miracles. I don't think he believed in miracles, signs, wonders, all that. He did believe in the word of God, and he believed in uh, the salvation of God. And he said to me this. He said, this is God's holy word. It is truth. And you need to be in it every day. And amen, I have that. And he said that to me. Now, I had already been reading the Bible for two years, and the Bible just came alive by the Holy Spirit when I got saved. My eyes were open. I could remember stuff. And, and I've been in this. I love it. But, you know, when you don't learn compassion, you know how when you first get saved and you're realizing truth, that what happens in the beginning, listen, what happens usually in the beginning is that sin, be is, it becomes ugly to you. And now you want to stop everyone from sinning. So you get a little harsh. You know, you might even get a little legalistic a little bit. You might say, don't do that, you know, because um, you're seeing it. Your eyes are open to what was always there. That's what happens. Like your things you would have partaken in three weeks ago is now detestable. All right. And then it's when you, you know, get pickled a little bit in God and his spirit that you soften up a little bit and you learn how to bring the truth through love. Amen. You know. When I was a sinner before Christ and everything, I was bound by pornography really bad. And Jesus not only forgave me for it, but when I gave my life to him, he, I was a new creation. And he literally transformed me that I was not in bondage to it anymore. And he set me free. And he'll do that for you too. If I just go, when you're in pornography, you're a sinner, you're going to hell. That's truth. 
but it's not compassion. It's not in love. And the problem with the church is they compromise truth for compassion. So this is how they do it. Well, God understands. God understands that, you know, um, you, you believe you're gay and he's okay with that. He just wants you to believe in Jesus. That's not truth. That's not truth. Okay? It's not truth. Why didn't Jesus talk more about homosexuality? Because there were no homosexuals. The punishment for homosexuality was death. There was They didn't have that problem in Israel. Just like they don't have that problem in Iran. I mean, God remember, if they're bringing a woman up to kill her, they're dealing with homosexuals too. And it wasn't a, it wasn't a thing going on in Israel. Now, there was Romans there who might have participated, but Israel had come to a place where they could coexist in a way. They didn't care what the Romans did as long as they didn't interfere with what they were doing. So as long as they had the temple, they didn't care too much about the Romans, what they were doing in their places, right? And But at the same time, that's not who Jesus... Remember, Jesus came to Israel. He was speaking to the Jew, all right? So, so him, you know, Paul goes on to say this, him who steals... Steal no more. Now, let me ask you, which do you think is more offensive to God, sexual immorality or stealing? And Paul says, steal no more. So let me tell you what he says to those who are homosexual, those who are fornicators, those who had perverted, you know, was perverted and had pornography issues and lust issues. You know what he says? Lust no more. Pervert no more. Think on those things no more. Okay, that's what he commands me. I, I didn't steal from people, so maybe I didn't have to, that issue, I had my issues, okay? And so I don't talk about them, especially when my kids were younger, I didn't want to talk about it, because I didn't want to put this in their mind. I didn't want to tell them, but I, I was in so need, I'm, 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 listen, let me tell you this, I'm in more need for Jesus today than I was back then. You go, how could that be? Because I am more reliant, more clingy to him than ever before. You know what I mean? Like, I rely on Jesus for everything. When I got saved, you know, well, let me just say this. When I got saved, I wasn't looking for forgiveness. Uh, you might think that's what, you know, I was I was not. Forgiveness is not what I was looking for because I could somewhat find that in the Catholic Church. I wanted transformation. I, I didn't like who I was, not just what I was doing. Jesus saved my life, my marriage. My kids would not be here without Jesus. They would not be because me and Kathy wouldn't have made it. You get what I'm saying? Like with, with, without Jesus, I would have been destroyed. Everything I have that's good, it comes from him. My three children, the only way they're here is Jesus. It's not because we couldn't procreate. Just me and Kathy probably wouldn't have been together. I probably would have blown up the marriage. And so I wanted, I wanted, you know, I didn't know the word deliverance. You know, I, I just know I wanted, I, I didn't want to be me. I didn't want to be the guy I'd become. And I needed, I, I needed a solution to that problem. And after two years, maybe longer of finding, looking, seeking, whatever, I met Jesus. And that's where truth, hey, you're a sinner. Hey, everything you're doing is penalty of death. But I love you. 
How does Christ rec- how does God reconcile those two? In Christ, he became the bridge where God could both judge us through Christ and pour out his blessing through Christ to us. That's why scripture says if you be in Christ. What it's saying is like if you're in Christ, if you're cuz Jesus took everything and he God made the covenant with Jesus. He didn't make the covenant with you. You might think he did. He let us participate in the covenant. But if he made the covenant with you, listen, if he made the covenant with you, then you are reliant on keeping the covenant perfectly, otherwise you die. Now, let me explain something about that. God made the covenant with Abraham, but he didn't make it with Abraham. It was a smoking oven, the flaming torch that passes through the, the animals. Abraham watched. Jesus took Abraham's place in the covenant making. That's why it was a covenant of faith. That's why Abraham's the father of faith, the, the patriarch of faith. And everyone who believes in Jesus is actually a child of Abraham. Okay? Isaac and Jacob, the same. But when he gets to Moses and Israel, he makes a covenant directly with Israel. Be- why? Because they're prideful. They sin. They're arrogant. And you just read it. Don't even have to read like the old prophets. Just read them in the desert. Read them in the wilderness. How many times they doubt God and test him. These ten times they've tested me. And he makes a covenant with them. That they must keep the covenant. That's the keeping of the law. And you know what we know of the keeping of the law? No one keeps the law perfectly. But God loved Israel. So he had a solution. What was that solution? Jesus. To make the bridge. But they rejected Jesus. Most Jews reject Jesus. It's not valid. You don't get a way out. Well, we believe there's another Messiah coming. No, 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 no. You don't get to do that. That's not what the that's not what Jesus, that's not what John said. That's not what Jesus said. You don't get to choose the Messiah you want. The Father sent the only begotten Son. And he did signs in front of them to prove it. <clears throat> they just rejected it. And they just rejected it. That's a price to pay. That price is eternal damnation. Okay? I, I hate to tell you. Look, it's the same for the Gentile as it is for the Jew. You reject Jesus, you're condemned already. You believe in Jesus, you have eternal life. Jew and Gentile. Amen? Amen. Jesus, Jesus, by the way, is truth, the Bible says. But he showed forth, the Father demonstrates his love towards us by sending Jesus to die. By the way, the Father already loved us. He didn't love us because we believe in Jesus. He loved us before that. That's good news. He doesn't like sin. He hates sin. And by the way, in the book of Enoch, it actually talks about one place for the saint before Christ, which is paradise, but two places for sinners. And one actually gets judged more harshly. It actually has a place for those who practice evil. That'd be like your Hitlers and stuff that practice evil. And those who aren't really practicing it, but they didn't, they rejected Christ. But they're not evil people. There's a lot of lovely people out there who don't believe in Jesus. But they're not, remember, we're not going 
to heaven or hell by, by our works, but through faith. So if you reject Jesus, it doesn't matter how good of a person you are. You reject Jesus. Don't reject Jesus. Look, in the comments, wherever platform you're watching us, if you if you want to receive Jesus, I, I really feel like I can't teach us without actually inviting you in to pray with me for salvation. Look, I want to tell you this. We're all sinners before Christ. We, we, we all fell short. We all sin. Um, we all deserve eternal damnation, damnation. However, those who come to Christ are a new creation. Their old man has passed away. Behold, all things are becoming new. And, and what I want you to know is that today can be the beginning of the rest of your life. Today can be the day that your, your life has changed. Now, it doesn't mean you're not going to, you know, have a process of learning the kingdom and learning the ways. I always tell people, it's not like the matrix. You don't close your eyes and become a helicopter pilot in three seconds. It doesn't work that way. Okay. You're going to, you're going to learn. You're going to surrender first. How are you going to do this? I want to tell you this before we pray. Surrender to him. Jesus is the only way into the father. Him who tries to come in other ways, a thief, no one comes to the Father except by me, Jesus said. You have to come to the Father through and by Jesus Christ. In other words, through him, that's talking about the tabernacle. By him, it's talking by his blood and his, his, his obedience. That's how we're coming. We're going to receive what he did for us on the cross. Then I want you to surrender to the word. What does that mean? It means when you pick up a Bible and you read it, and I want you to read it every day, a couple chapters a day, just to get going, okay? But I want you to do this when you read it. Father, let your word come into my come into my spirit. Let your word come into my soul. Let it transform me. Let the power of your word be planted in me. And give me a heart for your word. Give me a heart for obedience. Give me a heart to follow you. And everything that you command me. That's where we do that. And then we're going to surrender to his ways. Because we're going to do things his way. Not our way. His word's above our word. His ways are above our ways. And we want to do his will. Okay? And then we're going to, we're going to, then at time, we're going to pray like, Father, I want to do your will. And this is what I prayed for years. Whatever you need to do in me, Father, whatever it is, do it. Whatever it is that you have to do in me, do it. That was it. Whatever it is you have to do in me, do it so that I can be in compliance and obedient to you. Whatever you have to work in my heart, whatever blocking it, do it. I want to be conformed to you. Amen? Amen. So now let's pray. If you want to receive Jesus, I want you to pray with me. Say your name. You treat it like you're praying it. I'm going to pray it like I'm praying it for me. So you just repeat what I'm saying. Heavenly Father, I know that I have sinned before you. Even before my birth, I was caught in sin. For all have sinned and have come short of your glory. But Father, I thank you that you sent forth your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, I receive his completed finished work of obedience even unto death on the cross. 
And I believe that he was buried and rose on the third day according to the scriptures. I receive his salvation. I receive his compassion. And I receive his truth. Father, forgive me for all the things that I have done. Forgive me for not acknowledging you sooner and not giving my life to your son sooner. Forgive me and wash me clean. Make me a new creation today in your son, fit for your kingdom. And I give you my life from this moment forward. Do in me what you must. Work in me what you must. I trust you. And I cling to your son, Jesus. Father, thank you. I ask one more thing, Father. That you would fill me with your Holy Spirit. And flood my life. With your presence. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Well, let me tell you. God bless you. Now, I want to tell you to do a couple things. In the comments, if you want to. In the comments. Put it there that you receive Jesus today. Because what I want to do is help you. Okay? Now, you can do a couple of things. You can join uh, my website email list at lewisdcana.com. You can also download the Gate Church of Jacksonville app. And I have a little thing in there called Foundations. And what I want you to do is, if you're in Jacksonville, Florida, or anywhere close, let me know. We'll baptize you. But let's just say you're in California. You're overseas. Find a Christian church, tell them that you accepted Christ and you want to be baptized and get water baptized. I explain it in the videos on the app on Foundations. You can also get it at thegatejacks.com. And on both the app and thegatejacks.com, you can also sign up for our emails there as well. I want, to, I want you to get water baptized. It is not just an obedience. There is a significant spiritual thing that happens. Please go watch it on the other videos on the app about the spiritual significance of water baptism, and then receive his Holy Spirit. Let it come in and fill and flood your life. By the way, all that stuff's on there, so there are some follow-up videos for you to watch. Just download the app or go to thegatejacks.com. Go to the media and find the playlist for foundations, and it's all there for you. I hope that you uh, have enjoyed this message. I want you to know I love you. And if you have any questions, please leave them in the comments. And if you have to message me, again, you can go on the app and actually go in our general message feed and message me. And I want to hear from you. Okay. And I'll tell you this. I'll put this on there. If you received Christ, you can text me at 904. This is our church text. 904-581-6789. Send me a text. I'll say, I received Jesus. Would you pray with me? What else do I need to do? And I will see that text and I will reach out to you. 904-581-6789. I love you. God bless you. And you have a great, great day. Bye-bye.